Welcome to another episode of Soar Lose. This is your host, DeAndre Johnson. I'm here with one of my family members, Devontae Viverette. Just glad for you to show up and to participate in this afternoon edition here from work on your lunch break. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm doing good. Uh, enjoying the nice Cali weather. Um, finally trying to get on the back end of this pandemic. So things are starting to get back to normal a little bit. Uh, but obviously, uh, Yeah, same here. I'm enjoying the Florida weather too. So hey, I mean, <laughs> but however, uh, speaking about the COVID nineteen, um, it's supposed to be a second wave coming sometime this summer. And just recently, I was on uh, reading the news and how a lot of uh, reports for the COVID nineteen are misleading. I'm talking about like, the reports that justify us to like reopen. But over this past weekend here locally in St. Petersburg, um, three restaurants right next door to each other had closed down over the weekend because employees was tested for COVID-19. So there's this uncertainty going on right now where should we continue to let business, you know, operate? And, you know, not just only that, man, it's it just a lot of stuff goes on that's going on in this world right now that you cannot reorganize it. And that's why it's going to take time for, like, you know, change to come. I'm talking about, like, not only social change, but I was talking about like the way we live and the way we, you know, carry ourselves, man. Like, be more clean and more aware of your surroundings. Yeah, I definitely think it's, uh, like you mentioned, there's a lot of things that uh, possibly is being hidden from us just to, you know, in the benefit of the economy, which I can understand a little bit. But uh, at the same time, obviously, the priority should be to keep the safety of people, of the consumers, and just Yeah, I think Yeah, I think that's gonna be a permanent that's gonna be a permanent thing. I think that's one thing that's not gonna go away is the face mask, particularly um if you work in the kitchen or in the bar industry. You know, face masks I think that's gonna be a permanent thing going forward. But the six feet social distancing, I think you cannot regulate that. I think it just you know you just ask people to be very mindful, but that's something that you cannot necessarily regulate. Mainly because uh, this experience, you know, uh, being in a grocery store or, or 
for God. And we pretty much, if we if we practice in the guidelines, aka staying home if we're feeling sick and wearing a face mask in a densely uh, populated area, uh, we should be good. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go ahead and um, jump in sports and um, you know our favorite sports that we like to discuss is um basketball and the NBA. It looked like everything you know seems like you know planned out. Everybody was on board then. Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard, they spoke up and said that players should not play with um, social injustice going on in this country. And there are other players that are, you know, concerned about the um, COVID-19 second wave and, you know, the safety of resuming the NBA season. So what is your take, you know, from both sides, you know, the concern of the COVID-19 spread and, um, you know, Kyrie Irving, it's like the lead, the ringleader, you know, for um, protesting the NBA season. Well, as far as uh, COVID nineteen scare, uh, I'm pretty sure the the NBA, which is a billion dollar industry, um, they they wouldn't put their prized possessions. I'm sorry to say it like that, but their prized possessions at risk, aka the players. You think that Adam Silver would take a chance to? have LeBron James or Giannis Antetokounmpo or, uh, you know, James Harden uh, at risk to get a life-threatening disease uh, when they can sit out for uh, six, seven months, hopefully, uh, and it'll go away. And that's why I think the Disney World plan, I think it's legit. I think that if you essentially quarantine these people from the outside world uh, and test regularly like they're planning to do and practice the sanitation uh, techniques as they stated that they were do. I think that it should be a scare. Um, you're not everybody in that bubble uh, for lack of a better term will be tested on a daily basis so I don't really think it's a problem with that. I don't, I don't really see the scare with that uh, but the biggest concern as far as the uh, protesting and uh, you know the activism um, my theory on that is, like, I think Stephen A. Smith made a great quote. Uh, he stated that if black people was to stop working, uh, it means to uh, events such as what's been going on with the Ma Aubrey and uh, all the police brutality uh, and the murders and the homicides, all that lately, we, we would never work. We would never carry on without like because this has been happening for hundreds of years. You know, so why all of a sudden would we stop right now? Um, and who says that you still can't be uh, active on the internet? And still, because that's where most of their voice has been coming from. LeBron James has been the most active, and he's done it all basically through social media. He still can do the same thing uh, playing games. I mean, he has a team, and he's not the only voice. So for Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard to come out and say they don't want to play because of that. I think it's senseless, and actually, I think that uh, basketball. I don't think, like they said, it will be a distraction. I think it will be uh, something that we need, and I think will actually be uplifting right now for not just black people, but a country in a whole. Yeah, I, I agree, and um, I think with Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving is a smart guy, but he doesn't explain himself fully, and I know that about him a lot. Yeah, he's very, he's very emotional. Yeah, but he doesn't really like explain himself about what he meant. 
because everybody always asking him like, okay, why you think that? And, you know, what's the plan? And he cannot necessarily give you the, the answer. And um, you know, for somebody that's in Kyrie Irving position, like yes, like he's making you know millions of dollars and actually made you know the most money in his career this year, and he only played twenty games. So I mean, you're you're still going to benefit if you play or not, Kyrie. You know, some here. I get where you're coming from because, like you said, the NBA is a billion-dollar in- industry. And, you know, if you hit them where it hurts, then, yeah, I agree that would be affected. But one thing I do like what Chris Broussard off of Fox Sports has said. Chris Broussard has said that, you know, these players, if they want to bring awareness, they really can because black athletes does have the biggest platform. They are the biggest difference maker out of any African-American group in this country. I really truly believe that. But if you could like link up and develop relationships with people whose job is to change the um, the social current that's going on in this country, then they could do so much more. Because like LeBron James, LeBron James had to you know give somebody that know how to fund and open up schools, right? Because that's something that he wanted to do. So he developed those relationships. Kyrie Irving could do the same thing when it comes to um, social justice, just like Colin Kaepernick did. Like, it was just not all just Colin Kaepernick. Like, he, you know, met with some people who could actually make a difference and who life is dedicated to it and develop a relationship with them to, you know, push forward social change. So, I don't, I don't agree with not playing, but I think that you could use your platform and could develop a relationship with people who are there to make changes. You know, develop relationships with politicians, develop relationships with people who are very active in their community. And I, I, I totally agree with that. I, I don't see where playing would interfere with that. No, not at all. And I understand that. I, I know what he's thinking. I know he's something here saying like, you know, yeah, you know, we are the biggest, you know, prize possession, and you know, they making millions and billions of dollars off our back. And um, you know, for Stephen A. Smith, he got to be careful because as much as his job is to, you know, put two two together. You know that ESPN got a large um, deal with the NBA, a large contract deal, and um, they do not want to miss out on the NBA season reopening back up. That's money for ESPN. So, you know, Stephen, like Stephen Smith, just gotta be, you know, very careful with that. And but, uh, well, I think he was supportive uh, of the NBA returning. He was, he was actually, yeah, he, he, he supported. Uh, called Dwight and uh, Kyrie.
Yeah, you're exactly right. And speaking about money, you know, money is always what divide us. Let's be real. It it it, it really like dilute dilute a lot of issues that are going on. And we sit here trying to target the issues and try to solve it. And you know, money always you know make people choose one way or the other. And like for somebody like Ed Davis, like yeah, understand you know. You don't make as much money as somebody like a Kyrie Irving or LeBron James, but however, this tells you something about our society is that if we were making, let's say, at least one million dollars, you know, per year or this year, I'm pretty sure that we could find so many different ways where not only we could just invest but save that money, you know, over a period of time. Ed Davis been in the league for almost ten years, and um, I'm pretty sure, like, yeah. I'm not saying that do not get your money, but it's like, man, like how you guys are, you know, living to paycheck to paycheck or be, you know, very, be the one that's, you know, so dependent on in your family. Exactly. And like, that's, that's a problem. And that's a whole other conversation about these athletes and uh, not even just athletes, uh, these entertainers in general, uh, making millions of dollars and living paycheck to paycheck, uh, living beyond their means. And when something like this happens, ownership of the things that you have because till this day like yeah a lot of celebrities rappers entertainers athletes they still renting stuff man like why y'all renting like no own something that's yours so they cannot take it away from you like i never understood that and like even with major league baseball like you would thought major league baseball would be like one of the very first sports to like get things up and running again but they cannot even come to agreement with money and you know, they going back and forth with the owners and the players about full prorated salaries for the season. And it's still like a 50-50 split between the owners and the players about resuming because of what? Of money. We're not even talking about, you know, health issues or, you know, anything related to COVID-19. We still here simply talking about money. And they don't want to go out there and pay and play for, you know, $5 million. Because we all know that baseball players out of all the major sports get paid the most money. Pitchers get paid thirty plus million dollars a year, and they pitch what once every five days. So like, what? Like, I, I don't get it. You know, when it comes to like the money aspect of return to sports. Yeah, it's uh, especially uh, for the MLB. It's very unfortunate for the for the lower level players and the uh, the farm players because they're the ones that need the money. And like you said, uh, the MLB is very top heavy, and those guys. They make more than any other sport. Uh, the top level player is ridiculous, like ridiculous. Uh, and one of the players was Bryce Harper. <laughs> he just signed a three hundred thirty-six million dollar contract like two years ago, and he had the nerve to be uh, having some type of complaints about not making his full salary. So uh, yeah, it, it's definitely exposing people and their nature, uh, and just unfortunate for the, the lesser players and uh, the up and coming players because they're the ones that suffer the most. Right, 
and Bryce Harper already made enough money where his family is set for life. You already made enough for money life. for life. And you some here tripping about that. And it's like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that's going on in society. You know what I mean? Of course, you know, social injustice. Um, this weekend, we just uh, had another murder of uh, an unarmed black man. Well, he had a taser gun, but, you know, he got shot in the back twice. Um, the young man was um, name was Rashard Brooks. He was just outside of Wendy's, and I guess he tried to taste the uh, officer. He missed him. Then he just took off running, and the officer shot him twice in the back in Atlanta. And uh, you may heard this. It happened in California in Victorville, and um, I forgot the other town. But two black men were found lynch hanging off of a tree in California. Have you heard that story? Yeah, that was actually. Uh right now but one one guy he made an interesting statement he was saying like with all this going on he's saying like don't be fooled because what they really want at the end of all of this is martial law so the government could exercise their military force and uh, we both are military veterans and um, I mean like what is your take on that because 40% of the United States military is made up of minority and I can tell you for sure that majority to the minority in the military is not gonna, you know, fight their own people. Like, what's your well, take on Well, my take on it is, I don't think it'll get that far. I think the far, the far as it would go is what the uh, president has already been doing. He's been, uh, you know, deploying the National Guard uh, soldiers to the street, but haven't given them orders. Uh, I, I really don't see this country putting their own military against uh, their own people. Some Muslims uh, and Asians, I do not believe that they would sit there and carry out the president's orders and basically attack civilians. Uh, that's just not how we're taught. That's just not where we come from. That's just not ingrained in our morals. I just, I, I really don't see it. And I know me and I know you. If we were still, if we still had that uniform on, and we 
And you know, the reason why I got to bring this up because all things are on deck. You know, I mean, like we live in a lifetime where you cannot come here and be surprised about what anything are being said or done. You can't be surprised because one, yeah, you see a lot of people true colors. You know, throughout. I guess social media. I mean, you see a lot of fake stuff on social media, but you also see a lot of people true colors, you know, through social media and through, you know, through film. Like everything's pretty much catch on tape or on audio. And um, you know, like you just want to like you know be aware and be prepared and just like you know just put all hands on deck. And I think personally for me though, I think we're gonna be fine. But I know for sure like you know the climate that we in, um, you know anything is possible. But, you know, the protests that's going on around the country has been peaceful thus far. Um, we just got to get past, you know, the marching stage. I'm always been saying that we got to get past the marching stage and, you know, actually go front and center, you know, to the White House or to, you know, whatever your government building is in your local town or city and make and demand some changes, you know. Definitely, I think it starts on a local level. Uh, I mean, you had this conversation uh, a couple weeks ago or last week. Uh, yeah, it starts uh, within the neighborhoods, then it branches out to the town, the cities, the states, and then the federal government. Uh, I think that it's just start uh, an organized effort within individual neighborhoods. We can just we really can just grow and create change within, because that's where it has to start within. And then the the federal federal government could can handle the things that we can handle as far as reforming uh, police, the police departments, and as far as, far as accountability. That's the biggest thing, accountability. Yeah. If that can if that can get regulated throughout the federal government, I think we'll be good because uh, I think that these these cops, these dirty cops that's doing all this uh, murdering and killing. Uh, they wouldn't, it, would, it would severely slow if they knew that they would automatically be uh, accountable for their actions. Yeah. The reason why it, it keeps going on because they are getting away with it. That's why. And this That's is why it's been and going on for 50, 60, 70 years because they have been getting away with it. They have been getting away with a slap on their wrist and carry on. Like, if it stops, hey, they ain't retain. And let's, let's be real, okay? Because this is something that, this is my theory. This is something that's been building up for like the past 40, 50 years. Where the KKK, they transitioned from being in the hoods to politicians. That's what happened. That's what happened. And you see that right now that they got a hold on the White House. And people see like the last four years what the hell they really stand for. And what President Trump stand for. And no, it's not a good feeling. And you just, you got a, a baby basically. Like, he's about to be two years old, you know, soon. And he's, um, you pretty much gonna have to have a talk with him because, yeah, you know, technically he's a biracial baby, but I mean, he's still a minority. He's still gonna be looked at as, you know, a black man. And, you know, you don't want to, like, have him growing up in this world. And, yeah, these are, you know, scary times, you know, to, like, bring a child into this world and try and raise them. Especially if you, you know, a minority. Definitely, uh, you know, me and my wife, she, we have this conversation all the time about, you know, how we're going to have to talk to our kids and what we're going to have to tell them, uh, their proper behavior around, you know, law enforcement. Because uh, I'll be damned if, if what I'm seeing happening happens to my kid. Because then they're going to have a big reason to put me away. I'm not, I'm not standing for it. So, you know, I, and the only way, you know, sadly, right now, 
treated just because how he looked. So, you know, it's, it's something I worry about, but at the end of the day, it's something I'm not worried about because at the end of the day, I, I have my faith and I know what what morals that he has and, you know, what, what knowledge that we're passing on to him. So I think that he'll be fine. Yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah, a lot of people will be fine. And, you know, for people, some here think like, well, you know, it, it's only one or two or three, you know, cop killing of an unarmed black man that we know of as of now. But, I mean, this stuff been going on for like years and years. And, you know, I'm just sick tired of just like trying to explain, you know, in the simplest form of why the hell we feel the way we feel and why it's not happening to anybody else but us. And, you know, like, yeah, the, the conversation, it gets tiring. It really does get tiring. And, you know, for me, like, I'm just looking for, like, action. Like, who has a plan and who's wants to, like, you know, actually execute the plan? Because I know they're talking about defunding the police. I'm like, no, don't, no, we cannot go that far of defunding the police. But what I think they should do is demilitarize the police. Because even, you know, in our hometown, Chicago, like, if you see like the cars and some of the equipments that the Chicago Police Departments have, yeah, you would thought we have a, a local military, you know, that's that's other than the National Guard in Chicago. So I yeah, think that's facts. That's facts. Uh, they they're well equipped out there. Uh, I think that's one of that's one of the problems. But uh, I think the biggest problem, like I said, uh, and if we there's accountability, and we can just go back to this dude, uh, Derek Chabon, the one that, that, that killed Malcolm Floyd. Um, George Floyd, yeah. He's been in the force for 19 years, and he, he has had two or three incidents where he had some type of brutality and almost committed murder before uh, to an unarmed black man on duty. So why was he still allowed on the street? Why was he still allowed with, allowed with that gun in back? Yeah. Like, that's, a, that's the problem. Yeah, and just like I said, you know, those who in charge of the police department or have any um, any position in the um, political platform you know they made that transition from being in a white hood to politicians not all of them of course but we, we know like the way this country is set up and you know systematically yeah like this look like it's carried out by a plan of a hate group that's what it seems like cause um Another thing that Chris Broussard has said, going back to like, you know, Kyrie Irving, you know, protests, he was saying like, well, if Kyrie could have, you know, eloquently stated that in Fortune 500 companies, only 1% of the Fortune 500 companies employ blacks. 3% in the NBA employ blacks as executives. Only 6% in the NBA, I'm talking about like throughout the whole front office, only 6% are black employees. Now, that's something that if Kyrie Irving had, like, you know, point the issue out to, then I think that he will have a point and people will understand where he's coming from. Why? Because of the Rooney rule 
the interview. But at the end of the day, he has not got hired. Um, and you hire, and some of the hires, if you look at them, they're, they're, they're laughable. Uh, and it's just ridiculous. So, right, the New York uh, Times. I, I applaud the NFL. I'm not going to apply Roger Goodell. Uh, but I'm applying to the NFL for actually uh, giving teams a reason, not that they should need a reason, but an extra reason, aka an incentive to add minorities to their staff. Mm-hmm. And like, just just to be clear, Roger Goodell actually works. He works for the owners. A lot of people don't read really know that. Like everybody thinks that he just run the NFL. Like no, like he's actually work for the owners. So like, so anything that Roger Goodell do, then it reflects back on the owners. And um, you know, well, we we got like a few more minutes left, and I just want like you know to say like you know some of the closing remarks is that um, you know like things of course are not going to change overnight, and um, you know everybody talking about having the um having the discussion like we've been having the discussion. It's like you just got to be willing to like you know make changes and. You know, want to do better because we don't give enough people credit of how smart and very aware they are. Reason why I say that because we so much, you know, um, fooled by the victimhood. We look at everybody as a victim. We look at everybody that don't know better. But like, mm-mm, enough of that. You know, you go have to start holding people accountable, just like you mentioned so many times. And that's why I think as a society, that's something they've got to change. It's like. Hold people accountable for the things that they do and say. I mean, not every little thing, of course. I'm just talking about like, you know, if it's legitimately wrong, then that person need to be held accountable, and that's it. Not because oh, he he's from the village or he don't know no better or he's never been around enough black people. I'm like no, uh uh-uh. uh, like you know, go have be held accountable for your action. It's not about black and white anymore. It's about you know having a uh, Humanity, you know. Exactly, it's, it's not about color at all. It's not about race. It's about right versus wrong. And I continue to say this when I have this discussion with uh, other people that no matter if that guy, no matter if Michael Floyd was white, I don't care if he was Mexican, I don't care if he was Asian, what that cop did was plain out wrong, like straight up. And accountability. Uh, it shouldn't take a riot, a loop. Uh, it shouldn't take protests for two, three weeks for justice to be served. Accountability should be within every political or every state or every federal organization because they're the ones that run this country. Yeah. So if you don't have, we don't have accountability on a higher level, we're never going to create change. And what we can do as people is, uh, you know, change our, change, change our way of thinking as well. Every cop is not bad. Every, uh, every white person is not bad. Uh, we can't judge a group, you know, but what we can do is educate ourselves and move accordingly. You know, we know right from wrong. We we, we can't be racism with racism. So at the end of the day, uh, it starts at home as well. So if we come together uh, within a small community and then branch out and the federal government do what they're supposed to do, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, and... You know what they don't really talk about enough is that like the white youth that is joining in the protest that is speaking up a lot of them have black boyfriends a lot of them have you know biracial babies so it does hit home to them 
And like and that's what that's where the culture is shifting to. Like you're gonna see more biracial kids. Even I know there are some races out there that have black grandbabies. And like are you gonna sit here and like disown your own? Like you're not. So that's why I said like you gotta look on the humane level because you know like you're not, yeah, you know, the culture is shifting to being more diverse and being more biracial. And that's just the way it's going to be. And that's why I believe um, Trump was put in office to begin with to, like, you know, keep the old ways. And that's not happening at all. And um, I really appreciate you. And, uh, I, you know, I'm glad that you took time, you know, off your lunch break uh, to, like, you know, to have this on discussion with me. And, um, you know... Just, um, you know, continue to do what you do, man. Like, you know, so far, so great, you know, being a great father right now. For sure, I appreciate that. And uh, I just want to give a shout out, you know, to all the dads. Uh, speaking of, because this is Father's Day week. And, uh, you know, it's a special, it's probably the most uh, cherished thing that I would say I have in my life, you know. So, yeah, shout out to all the dads out there. And uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, to discuss these topics and you know just checking in chit chat yes for sure alright Vante and thank you guys out there for listening this is uh, your host DeAndre Johnson it's my podcast Sword Loser you can find this podcast on Spotify on Anchor on iTunes Google Overcast you can also reach me uh, on social media, my Twitter handle is at Dr. Media, and also on Facebook, just simply be Andre Johnson. So thank you guys for tuning in, and I will be back for another edition of Sore Loser. Thank you.